Well, I know that this word is going to bless you. Will you help me welcome Pastor Maddie Herring? Come on. Thank you. Uh, like Noah said, uh, we've been walking through the book of James. So if this is your first Sunday here, welcome. We are in a series, and it's from from walk from talk to walk, I should know that, guys. I've been saying this. Um, from talk to walk, we've been walking through the book of James. James is the brother of Jesus. And really to captivate what James is trying to tell us is he is trying to help us become a mature believer. He's helping us try to grow in our faith. I'm really excited um, about this series. I felt a little... Um, I felt a little overwhelmed because last week Noah just preached on pursuing holiness and uh, it was absolutely incredible. It was probably one of my most favorite messages that I've heard and I was like, oh, I got to go after that? Wow, that is hard. I do not want to do that. But if you have not listened, I really want to encourage you to go back because we're still walking through the whole book. Um, it's only five chapters, um, but we're going to continue to go verse by verse. And I just really feel like starting this year off with James has been so encouraging. Um, it's been so life-giving, and it's helping us all look more like Jesus. Um, before we get uh, started uh, with today, can we just give it up one more time for our Waymakers, guys? Come on, guys. Our Waymakers are, I mean, from kids. Guys, they are watching your kids downstairs so that you can sit in here with no worry, just stress-free, actually able to listen to like hearing mom, 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 mom. And um, that, and they're making your coffee. We're making a lot of coffee because you guys drink some coffee. I love it because I love a good caffeinated uh, people. You guys are the most energetic. So I'm really hoping, guys, because... First service was great, but I'm expecting for this service to just be a little bit more energetic, okay? Because when I think I'm funny, I still laugh. So if I'm the only one up here laughing, it's going to be a little weird, okay? Noah and I are celebrating five years of marriage this summer. Really excited, yeah? Come on, come on. We have so much marriage advice to give. So if you're, if you're looking for marriage advice, definitely come to us. Five years. We have so much wisdom. Um, we've only known each other for six years. Um, we have had a lot that has changed in our life. We have moved four times. Um, we've lost jobs. Um, we've had two babies. We have a dog that is like a third baby. Um, we've had a lot that has changed. The one thing, though that has stayed the same the last six years that I have known Noah. It's never changed. It's been very consistent. I can always count on it. And it is for this man's hair to be the same. <laughs> I love him with all of my heart. I think he is the most handsome man I have ever seen, but I can count on that hair to look the same. I figured this out early on in our marriage. And after the first, like, two to three haircuts that he got, I just thought to myself, I don't really have to tell him that I like that same haircut because I've already told him and it's the same haircut. You know what I mean? I'm like, he knows I like it because I said it the last three times and, and it's the same haircut, you know? I, just the way that I was processing it. Uh, you could, he's a words of affirmation. I'm, I'm not. And so we're working on that in our marriage. 
So after like about the third time, after I've been like, oh, babe, you look so good. Like we should go on a date tonight. And then, you know, later we have two kids. But <laughs> am I allowed to say that on stage? I don't know. We're married. Um, but Noah comes home one day. And this is probably the, the fourth time he got his hair cut. He gets a haircut about every three to four weeks. And so um, he comes home, and I'm like, oh, hey, babe, did you get your hair cut today? He's like, yeah, I did. And I just continued on <laughs> cleaning the dishes. I didn't, I didn't say anything. I just was like, oh, yeah, it's about, you know, it's about time, three to four weeks, you get your hair cut. So I just keep doing the dishes. Well, 30 minutes had passed, and I go ask Noah what he wants for dinner. And I'm like, hey, babe, what do you want for dinner? And he just looked sad. <laughs> he looked like he had just had a really bad day. But I knew that his day had been pretty good. I hadn't heard anything. And so I'm like, are you okay? There's something wrong? And he's like, no, I'm good. You know, as we all do, no, I'm good. But I'm going to act like, no, I'm not good. And so I'm like, okay. So I go on to, to cook dinner, and... Uh, 30 minutes pass by again, and we're sitting down eating dinner, and he's just, like, moping. Like, it is, he's just a sad little puppy. And I'm like, I'm going to try, like, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to try this one more time. I'm like, babe, are you sure that you're okay? And he's like, no, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm, I'm glad that you asked. I'm like, okay, well, here, here we go. I'm going to hear it. What's wrong? He was like, you asked me if I got a haircut. I'm like, yeah, I know. He's like, and then you didn't say anything. You didn't say you liked it. You didn't say it looked good. You didn't even say that it didn't look good. He was like, it was just savage. You just left me hanging. You just asked, and then you walked away. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm picking up on this now. You need to hear it every time. I was learning. I was learning that my words, or in my case, my lack of words, hold power. I was learning that words hold power. Today, we're going to be in James chapter 3. I'm really excited. The title of my message is Loose Lips Sink Ships. Guys, I practice that, saying those words a lot because you don't want that to come out wrong, not on stage. I don't want to be on TikTok or the, you know, the preachers speak something weird. So loose lips sink ships. Did you know that the average person speaks about 16,000 words a day? Oh, that's a lot of words. And let's be real. We all know, we all know that we have those people in our life that speak probably closer to 30,000 words. Don't nudge them. Husbands, don't nudge your wives. We don't need that. The average person that will speak about 16,000 words a day. That is a lot of words. And here in James chapter 3, he has a lot to say about our words. I'm really excited. You can follow along. James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. When Noah asked me if I wanted to preach uh, James chapter 3, 
before I responded, I was like, oh, I'm going to open up James chapter 3 one more time, and I'm going to read it. And so I started reading it, and I read the first verse, and I read, not many of you should become teachers because you will be judged more strictly. And I looked up, and I was saying, no, thank you. I'll pass. You can get somebody else. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want my first time preaching to be on stage talking about that. I'm going to be judged more strictly. But after a lot of prayers and after a lot of uh, encouraging words from Noah, here I am teaching on James chapter 3, so you guys just pray for me. <laughs> when we are looking at James chapter 3 and we see the word teachers, I think sometimes we can read that and we think of people who are on a stage. We think of pastors, we think of theologians, or just maybe who, somebody who has a platform. And yes, I, I do believe that this is a warning for those people, but I really believe that this is for all of us here in this room. And this is why this is a warning for all of us. I believe Jesus was a teacher, so follow along. Jesus was a teacher, and his students, they've always been called disciples, a disciple means to apprentice, and if you follow Jesus, it means you apprentice underneath him. But we don't just stop there. Jesus doesn't just call us to apprentice underneath him. He also calls us to have other apprentices underneath us. So when you follow Jesus, your words and your life begin to teach others. People are watching, and they are learning from us constantly, whether we realize it or not. Right now, this very moment, your life is teaching a lesson. Is it one that meets God's standard? I find myself in a season where words are very, very important. We are raising a toddler, and so you can pray for us. Um, everything is being repeated. I mean, everything. You would think that this child had parents who communicated for a living or something. I mean, he just talks nonstop. But some of my favorite things that he's kind of been repeating that have made us laugh and also learn how to parent um, and also learn how to celebrate. But here are just a few of my favorite. I hear, uh, hush, Mowgli, which Mowgli is our dog. And I'm like, awesome. We've learned how to tell people hush. And I'm like, I've been treating our dog so poorly. I need to stop telling him to hush because he has picked this up from me. Um, my favorite uh, after that is our, is our new one-liner and it's stop. And it's very like, you know, he's like, stop, mommy, stop, daddy. And we're like, so cute. You don't tell mommy and daddy to stop. You don't tell us to stop. But then there's some good ones that come along, you know, that make you so proud and that like make you melt. And this is the one that just happened recently. And we are just like, oh, you can say that anytime you want. He looks at our little girl who is just nine months and he goes, you're cute, sissy. Right? And it's because Noah always looks at our little girl and tells her she's cute. We call her sissy. And so he just started this thing, and he says it to me sometimes. He's like, Mommy, you're cute. And I'm like, Buddy, oh, I take you everywhere with me because I look awful today. Like, thank you so much. But I'm learning that our words are, my kids are picking them up. But it's not even just the things that we're speaking. It's the things that are on our TV. It's the things that we're listening to, even the songs I am noticing. If you guys have heard the song, uh, It's Good Day by Forrest Frank, I would sing it, but then I'd get booed off the stage. But it basically is just like, it's going to be a good day, a good day. 
And he started singing this song and just walking around saying, like, good day, good day. And I love it because at such a small age, it's teaching him to speak over his day that it's going to be a good day. And so I am in the midst of learning the power of words. I'm learning that small ears are listening. And I have people around me who are picking up what I'm saying. They're picking up what I'm listening to. They're picking up what I am watching. Um, People are also watching you, and they will repeat what you say. I believe that we need to use our words to heal instead of hurt, to speak life instead of death, to honor instead of gossip, to love instead of hate. Let's use our words to reflect Jesus. At the beginning of my message, I told you guys that the average person speaks about 16,000 words a day, but I'm going to take it just a little step further. The average person can fill 132 200-page books with their words in one year alone. I'm going to repeat that because that's just crazy to me. 132 200-page books with just your words in one year alone. In 2024, I am thinking about the words that are being written in my book. And I'm starting to think about what kind of genre would my book be? What kind of genre would your book be? Would it be one of critique? Would it be one of sadness? Would it be one of negativity? Or would your book be one that's full of faith? It's full of hope. It's full of joy. It's full of excitement. Would you want to read the book that your words are writing? In verse 3, James starts using metaphors of ships and fires being started or controlled by small things. And I believe that he is making a point that your tongue is small, but it is powerful. James is saying the biggest things in our lives are at risk of being moved by the smallest things in our life. I think it's so cool that when you go back to Genesis, we see that God created things from his mouth. He spoke everything into existence. We see that in the beginning, God already was using his mouth for good. He was creating something powerful from his mouth. The problem is us humans can't seem to get our tongues under control. This is what James says next. He says in verse 7 through 12, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Would you like to know how you can tame your tongue today? You can't. (laughs) Hope you leave super encouraged. You can't. (laughs) You cannot tame your tongue. And James is telling us that. He says no human can tame the tongue. And I know you're like, well, what are we supposed to do with that then? I'm leaving discouraged. What am I supposed to do with that? I think the problem is that our words are regularly used to tear down sons and daughters But I believe that our solution is us living in our identity as a son and as a daughter. I was thinking about this, and I know you guys are probably like, okay, wait, we just went from words, talking about the words and tongue, and now we're in identity. I believe that you cannot separate the two. 
I believe that the tongue simply tells the story of your heart. In Luke 6, 45, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. The scripture is saying that our words come from our heart. But I have some more really great news for you guys. Our hearts are evil too. <laughs> Y'all are like, oh man, what a, what a message. <laughs> I believe though that it's very hard to fix our words because it's hard to change our hearts sometimes. There's something that goes even deeper that needs changing and I believe that that is our identity. Our words are tied to our deepest identities. If you want to change your words, we have to change our hearts. But if we want to change our hearts, we have to change our identities. I was thinking about different examples of identities, and this one hits like so close to home. Um, being a mom, it's really hard these days to not compare. I mean, we have so much um, accessibility right at our fingertips to just see how everybody else is living life. Um, and sometimes we just see the highlight reels. But I believe that if your deepest identity is in being the best mom around town, and you meet another mom who is like mommying it up better than you, uh, you know, she makes the avocado spinach pancakes for breakfast for her kids like the night before. She's even so prepared. It's like the night before. Uh, she's got those little cute cutout for the kids' lunches that makes like the whole ocean with the sea creatures and everything, you know. Um, and she's got her kids speaking in another language and they're like two, you know. Uh, you meet that mom, which by the way, those are all incredible things. Uh, i I am learning from you. I am learning from you. <laughs> but if being the best mom is your identity and you meet that mom, you'll be tempted to tear down her with your tongue to keep that identity going. If your deepest identity is being like the wealthiest person, and let's say you meet, because today's Super Bowl Sunday, I couldn't think of a, just a more perfect human being because she's got $1.1 billion in revenue, um, is T-Swift. Uh, some call her Taylor Swift. So if, you're, if your deepest identity is being the wealthiest and you meet Taylor Swift and you're like, I don't even understand how she gets from this place to this place, but she's got to take a flight and it, you know, and it takes this long, but she was there. She's got a record coming out and you're just sitting there and you're like, how she do it? I need, I need to become a highlight card. I got to make money. You're going to be the opposite of whatever a Swifty is. You could say that there probably would be some bad blood between you two. <laughs> You might start singing, look what you made me do, as you start talking bad about her. If being the wealthiest is your identity, you will be tempted to tear other wealthy people down with your tongue to keep that identity going. And if your identity is found in popularity or fame or followers, and then you meet that one person that other people might like more than you, you'll be tempted to discredit them with your words in order to protect your misplaced identity. It's because our words are tied to our deepest identities. And here's the thing about all of these identities. They have to be achieved. In order to be the best mom, to be a business person, to be the most popular, you have to do, 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 do. But there's an identity that is available to us, and it's not based on what we do, but what has been done. And when you accept Jesus, you become new. It's not about achieving, it's about receiving. Your identity is not based on your performance. It's based on Jesus' performance. Your deepest identity is now that of a son or a daughter of God. This new identity begins to change our heart. And it's when our heart changes that our words begin to follow. 
and all of a sudden you see that your tongue has been used for good instead of bad. When you've received your identity as a son or daughter, I believe that you will never feel the need to tear other sons and daughters down, that you won't be threatened by someone else's success. You'll be encouraged by it. Can you imagine what a community of sons and daughters could accomplish through our words if we just submitted our identities to Jesus? I believe that we can use our words to build up instead of tear down, that we can use our words to speak healing instead of hurting. We can use our words to speak faith instead of doubt. We can use our words to bring joy instead of fear. We can use our words to point people to Jesus. What is your deepest identity? Like really, when, when you're asking yourself, like beneath all of the layers that we present to the world, where do you find your value? Where do you find your worth? Have you ever been around somebody that you feel like just kind of like lifts the room? Like they're the people you want to be around all the time. They just exude joy. They're just easy to be around. They walk with like a lightheartedness. When I was writing this, and, and I didn't say this in the first, um, in the first service, but after Noah was sharing about the Sollers, these are the people that I think of when I think about the people I just want to be around. Um, they just they gravitate like you just can't help but be be around those kind of people and you want to know why it's because their identity is found in Jesus they've spent time with Jesus Noah mentioned this last Sunday it's it's focusing on getting the good in it's focusing on getting God's word in and I, I believe that those words will not return void you get you get God's word in and that becomes in your heart, that's what's gonna overflow out of your mouth. It's gonna be like words of honey. Our words are gonna become like words of honey. It's gonna be sweet and nourishing to our souls. I believe that the Spirit of God inside of us is gonna be the anchor that our tongues are tied to. When we choose to surrender our lives to Jesus, we surrender having the last word. We surrender our hearts over to Him. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be a church where our marriages show honor to each other. I want to be a church where our first response is compassion. I want to be a church where celebrating people is our joy. I want to be a church that brings life to a hurting world. I believe that we have the opportunity here as the body of Christ to literally be like honey to the world, where we will overflow with goodness and life and life abundantly because we have spent time with Jesus and now his words have become our words. His promises have become our promises. The way that we talk looks different than the world. And the people are going to say, what do you have? Because I need that joy. I don't talk like that about other people. Or on the other hand, when somebody wants to talk about someone else and you refrain because you have a guard over yours, People are going to wonder, like, how can you do that? It's going to make them want to take a step back to search their heart, their identities, and what's coming out of their mouth. I believe we have an opportunity to be that church. We're going to bring life and life abundantly through our words. I was thinking about how I wanted to close out the message today, and there were a lot of different ways, but I just love the thought of the series that we're in, going from talk to walk, and my message this morning is, of course, talking. It's our words. It's our mouth, um, but I do believe taking it from that to walking it out, and so I think there's a lot of times 
almost every single day that we have the opportunity to say something kind to somebody. We have the opportunity to speak life into somebody, to compliment them, to tell them how great of a job they're doing, and we don't. Whether it's because maybe in your heart, um, you are looking at that person, you might be a little jealous. Um, Maybe it's just because you're a little fearful. Um, It might be awkward. Um, Whatever the reason may be, I know that in this room, we all have somebody that we can think of uh, that we have not said the kind word to, that we have not shown compassion towards, that we've not used our words to encourage. And so I think as a body of Christ, um, as a church this morning, we should take the time, pray about those people, search your hearts, think about those people. And then I would love it if you would just take 60 seconds and, and pull out your phones doesn't have to be super long, but I think right now, if we send, if everybody here sent out an encouraging text to that person, whatever it is, whatever it was that you wanted to tell them, if we could send that out this morning, imagine how many people would feel the love of Jesus this morning. How many people would feel encouraged? They would feel loved. They would see light. They would see more of Jesus just by you reaching out. And so I would love to just take the next 60 seconds pray over who you should reach out to. And maybe it's multiple people, but just take the next 60 seconds, pull out your phones and reach out to them. Lord, I thank you that we have the opportunity to use our words to bring life, Father. Thank you that we have the opportunity to pour in to others, to encourage each other and ultimately show people your character just through our words, Father. I pray right now for anybody that is struggling with the identity part of this, God. I pray that you speak, that you just whisper into their ear, God, that they are a son, that they are a daughter of you, God. I pray that you speak into their identities this morning, God, that you fill us with the confidence that we know that we are um, made whole in you, Father, that we know who we are through your word, God. I pray that you would just speak into that person, Father, this morning, giving them the confidence to know their identity, Father. I pray that you search our hearts this morning, God. Whatever is in our hearts, God, that um, is not of you, God, whether it be jealousy, resentment, um, heartbreak, um, anything that is just festered up in our hearts, God, that has made our words reflect that, God. I pray that you search our hearts, God, that you purify us, God, that you take out all of those parts of us, God, and you just continue to replace it with your word, God. I pray that you um, meet us in our time with you, Father, that you continue to just pour out your Holy Spirit and your promises and your words so that those words um, come into us, God, and that they will not return void so that when we are in situations, God, that we need to use our words, it will be your words, Father, your promises, God, that we will be able to speak life, God, that we will be able to speak with compassion, Father, that we will be able to speak in a way that looks like you, Father, that draws people closer to you, Father. I pray that you would use our words to heal instead of hurt, God. I also pray that you would just give us the wisdom in knowing when not to use our words, God. Guard our mouth, Father. Let us be slow to speak, Father. Fill us with your wisdom, God, that out of our mouth will flow like honey. I believe way, church, God, is gonna be like honey to the city of Nashville, Father, that we are going to be a nourishment, God, to the city, that we will be like a sweet, 
sweet, sweet soul to them, God, that this will be a place that they they might just say, I don't know what it is they have, but I love being around those people. They bring life, God. They bring joy. So I want to be around those people, God. I pray that over Way Church. I pray over the people in this room. God, use us this week as we head out into our jobs, as we are parenting, as we are being there for our friends, Father. I pray that you use us and use our mouths to point people to you, God. We thank you for your words. We thank you for your truths, God. We love you, God. Thank you for meeting us here in this place this morning, God. And and I just want to lift up the Sollers one more time. God, thank you for using that couple. God, they are a beautiful, beautiful example of what it looks like to speak with your truths at the center of their heart. God, with your promises at the center of their heart, Father. They know you, God. I pray that you be with them this morning, God. I pray that they just can feel every single prayer that has been prayed over them this morning, God, that it just surrounds them with a big hug to let them know that we love them, God, that we are here for them, Father. Bring them peace, bring them an abundance of peace, God, that will sustain them for the rest of their lives. We love you, God, and we're so grateful that we get to do this as the body of Christ, that you allow us to use our words, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Hey, one more time. Can we just honor Pastor Maddie? Come on, that was amazing. It's amazing. Incredible. So many good parts of that message, but the part that uh, really spoke to me was the part about our deepest identities being uh, rooted in Jesus. And when they're not, you know, we're tempted to use our words to, to maintain our identities. I started thinking about all the different identities that I've had in my life, the misplaced identities. And... Uh, Man, there's been a lot of them. When I was in sixth grade, uh, my misplaced identity was I was the vice president of the FFA. The future, why are you laughing? You can't. Future Farmers of America. That one was a short-lived one because uh, I wasn't very good at farming. But, um, but just different seasons, you know, depending on where my identity was, I was tempted to speak poorly about other people that seemed like a threat, right? It's, typically, you're not tempted to speak poorly about people that you're not jealous of or you're not threatened up, threatened by or people who don't do what you do. But I, maybe this is just for me, but um, it's way more tempting for me to not say good things about people who do the exact same thing that I do. That's just the temptation. And uh, she was speaking over there. I just started feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit. Like maybe, maybe for you, it's not someone that you're talking poorly of, but maybe it's just someone that you've been holding back affirmation from. You've been holding back championing, championing them um, and rooting them on just because there's that part of your heart that you haven't fully surrendered to the Lord. Uh, just so, so good. We titled the name of our church Way Church because in the book of Acts and the earliest days of the church, the church was not called the church and Christians weren't even called Christians. They were called followers of the way because the people who followed Jesus lived their life in such a different way than everybody else. And I just believe with all my heart that those earliest Christians had a different way for their words. And one of the things that Maddie and I have talked about so many times is that as our community grows, it's really tempting for uh, gossip to enter into our community. 
And, uh, you know, that's just one of those things that it's like one of those sins that just sneaks in there without you even really noticing. And we've been so impressed by how that has just not been the case here. And we want to keep fighting that for, for that. We want to keep fighting for this to be a place where we speak life over each other. And if it's even close to gossip, we, we shut it down. We have a friend named JP. He has this rule where if someone begins to gossip in front of him, uh, he immediately stops them. And, he, and let's say they were trying to say something, uh, you know, about, about Johnny. Uh, if your name's Johnny, we're not talking about you. But say something about Johnny. Uh, JP will say, hey, uh, is this a conversation that Johnny needs to be here for too? And I was like, you really say that, bro? Like, that feels like intense. And he's like, it's only intense like the first time you say it. You can say it with a loving heart. And he's like, 99% of the time, just that one question stops the gossip. And that person that you're stopping from gossip, they don't think less of you. They think more of you for doing that. And he said, now, there are times when it keeps going. And then when it keeps going, I always step in. I say, hey, I don't feel comfortable having this conversation because I don't think that I can solve this problem that you're describing without Johnny being present. So could we have a conversation with Johnny about this if we really want to change what's happening? I just think that's such a beautiful example of protecting a community with your words or with your lack of words. And so uh, if you want to steal that, steal it. I'm, I'm going to start stealing it. And uh, yeah, I'm just praying that Way Church will be a place that we don't even have to do that because we're just using our words for, for God's glory. Amen.